Bible in Spanish or English, uh, raise your hand. I'm very happy to say we have, we have one here in the front row, this young man right here. Anyone else? Bible there? Anyone else need a Bible? Raise your hand. We are in the Galatians. We're going through Galatians chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we are in Galatians chapter 5, this book which is about grace. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what you have, God's riches at Christ's expense, grace. And we're going to continue this study of grace starting in chapter 5, verse 13, which says... This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing by the Holy Spirit. The Bible was written by human hands under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God breathed, one place in 2 Timothy says, it's God breathed. So this is what God has to say to you and to me this morning. Verse 13, for you brethren have been called to liberty. That means freedom. You've been called to freedom. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, I pray that you would show us what that means. I confess for myself, Lord, that... I've developed a lot of my own ideas of who you are and I need your word to make clear what has often been muddled and confusing to me. So thank you, Lord, for clearing up my mind and giving me a word for your people today and I pray that I without being a hindrance would be a vessel for them to know Lord as you're teaching me what it means to walk in the spirit I pray this in Jesus name amen okay you may be seated so verse 13 says for you brethren have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And so the entire message last week was on that one verse. And uh, that one verse... Uh, someone like me could give five messages about it. 
It's such a powerful verse. It's such a wonderful verse. There's so much in there. I do recommend if you were not here that you go online and listen to the message from last week. Again, verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called. This is your life. That's what it means. You've been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as your Self. You know, the Christian life is very simple. <laughs> you know, there's just one rule love. That's it. There's just one rule, and that is love. Love God. When Jesus was asked what was the most important commandment, he said, Loving God and loving man. If you love God, you will love man. If you don't love God, you will find yourself being unable or not loving man. From time to time, I hear someone say, well, I really love God, but I struggle with loving man. Well, biblically, that statement makes no sense. If you love God, you will love man. To the extent you don't love man, that means to that, to that extent you're not loving God. If you struggle with loving man, you struggle with loving God. So um, here is a Bible verse that backs um, that up, that supports that. It's 1 John um, chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who loves the Father will also love his children. Brand that on your soul. <laughs> Everyone who loves the Father will also love his children. And just in case we don't get it, the very reverse, next verse flips that around to say the same thing. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Meaning we know we love the children of God if we love God is what it is saying. And so if you're here today and you know that you don't love people the way that you ought to love people, don't despair. Take it to the Lord. Take it to God in prayer. But Calvary Chapel, here's a question for you early on in the message. What's your prayer supposed to be? If you don't love your husband the way you know you should love your husband, what is your prayer supposed to sound like? Or if you don't like your friends, your boss, you don't love your boss? You think for good reason. What's your prayer in order to love your boss more? Someone shout it out. I will be so proud of you if you get it. What is it? Okay, that's good. That's good. That, that's good. God, you told me I'm supposed to love my enemy. And my husband right now is treating me like an enemy. So please help me. But think about what, let me, let me back up. Let me say, 1 John 5.1, uh, Dave, can we get that back up there? I want you to look at this very closely. And it's part of the answer, okay? The answer's in this. Everyone who loves the father will also love his children. So if you don't love your wife the way you know you're supposed to love your wife, what does your prayer to God sound like? 
Father, help me love you. Teach me to love you. If you want to love people more, you pray to God and say, God, make me love you more. This is what the Bible teaches of, of how the more we love God, the more we love his people. Lord, I know I don't love my wife the way I should. I know I don't love my husband the way I should. I know I don't love my boss. That, that, that woman in church, that man who I do ministry with, please show me yourself more. Show me your heart more, Lord, so I can love them more. That's how it works in God's economy. You want to love people more? The solution is that you love God more. The solution to loving God more is to cry out to him that you will love him more. I find the way so often that the Lord makes me love him more is to show me what he did for me on the cross. At the very time I deserved hell, Jesus Christ hung in the dark for me, the Bible says, naked, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did that so I would not have to be crying that out for all eternity in hell. He did that on the cross. And, and by doing that, he purchased a life for me of incredible blessing. I was thinking of great is thy faithfulness. Uh, the song that we sung this morning, all that I have needed, you have provided. And I, I got to tell you, I, 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 I was weeping in the back because I'm thinking, all I needed, you provided. All I want, Lord, you provided for me. All I want. That's where I am today. And that's where, where the Lord wants to bring all of us to love him as, he, as we recognize that, that what he's done for us on the, uh, on the cross, his back was ripped open for you. His, his hands, his feet were ripped open for you. So you don't love your neighbor. Again, the word says what? It says this. It says all the laws, verse 14, is fulfilled in this one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You want to love your neighbor more? Pray that you will, pray to God that he would reveal himself to you, that you would love him more and Without a doubt, you love God. more you love God, the more you lo will love your, the people around you, however annoying they may be to you. You, you, you will uh, find that you're loving them more. By the way, very quick on this, because my wife is listening, and she, she will say something. She'll criticize the, my message if I don't make this correction, okay? You want a wife like that, guys. This verse right here. Um, uh, Dave, do we have it? It says, everyone who loves God, the Father, will also love his children. So this verse right here is talking about the more you love God, the more you will love specifically other Christians. It's not talking about people in general. You, Stephanie? <laughs> however, <laughs> however, when Jesus says, when he's asked, what are the two greatest, what's the greatest commandments? He says, love God, and love your neighbor as yourself, meaning if you're loving God, you will love. So this verse, is, is, it's a, sort of a foundation with, for a greater truth. You love God, you will love, yes, the body of Christ more, 
but you will also love your neighbor more. And, and, and that's a wonderful truth, what the, what the love of God uh, does in our hearts. And so, um, what does this mean in verse 14? For all the law, law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean in one word? And, this, and the word is love and loving God. It means you love God and you love his neighbor. Well, it means this. If you love God, if you love, you will not be breaking any of God's laws. That's why it says, that's why it says, all the law is fulfilled in this one command, love your neighbor. That's why it says that. You'll, and for example, why don't, you, um, why don't you go down in verse 19. We read this um, verse last week. Uh, these are hard verses, to, um, hard verses to read because there's just such ugliness in it. And all of this, by the way, this ugliness is in the seedbed of our heart. But it says, now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions. Now, now back to our verse, the, it, it, it says all of, no, verse, <laughs> verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in this one word. Um, now think about that verse, verse 19. If you're loving, you're not gonna commit adultery because that's not loving. You're not going to fornicate, which is um, adultery is when you're having sex outside of marriage, when you're in marriage, fornication is everything else, any sexual uh, immorality, including having sex when you're not married. Well, when you're fornicating, you won't fornicate if you love because it's incredibly unloving to fornicate. It's unloving to the person you're fornicating with. It's un un unloving to the person who is going to marry that woman or that man who you're fornicating with and all kinds of other people who will be damaged by the behavior that you're doing eventually. It's not a victim climb. It's unloving. Same thing in verse, um, if you just continue on in verse, um, uh, verse 20, um, uh, idolatry. If you're, if you're loving God, you're not going to be loving something else other than God, which is what idolatry is. It's just loving something as a God substitute. You could just go down the, the list. Sorcery. You're, you're, if you love God, you're going to run away from the fortune teller, the horoscope, or whatever it is. If you're loving God, next one, hatred. Obviously, you're not going to um, um, hate. The next one, contentions, which means arguments. If you're loving God, you're not going to be arguing. Does everyone catch that now? All the laws is fulfilled if you're just doing one thing. St. Augustine says, just love God and then do whatever you please. By that he meant, if you're loving, whatever you please that you do is going to be not, it's going to be obeying the law. It's going to be following the law. It's going to be honoring people around you. You know, um, we have, uh, Steffi and I have a, an apartment at the bottom of our house, uh, which we have uh, rented out for years and years and years to men who attend the church. And over the years, there is a temptation to make a long list of rules for this house. 
Mm. I got to tell you, uh, I walked into an Airbnb with um, the leadership of our church until we were having a conference, and we walked in, and there was a sign right as you walked in. In big, bold letters, no, 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 and all the things that we were not allowed to do. I'm not going to do that to a bunch of young men moving into our house when I'm teaching them about Jesus Christ. And, and what I like to tell them as they come in, there's just one, one rule here, and that's to love Jesus. See, there's a temptation. They come in, okay, you're not allowed to watch these things on TV, you're not allowed to go to these websites, you're not allowed to listen to this music. If you have a girlfriend, here's what you do. And here's what you do not do. Here are the rules of smoking, drinking, eating, posters on the wall. No, love Jesus. That's it. And I tell you, it works. As folks just start doing stuff that's clearly not loving Jesus, we don't cite a rule. We say, look, you... you Remember, remember the one rule, it's loving Jesus. And it makes sense. It's really simple, this Christian life. It's loving God. And if you love God, you'll be loving people. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law is fulfilled in that one word. Let, let love be your compass. That's what I have in my prayer journal. Lord, is, is love my compass today? Am, am I using love as my compass? Help me to use love as my compass. First Corinthians 13 says love never fails, so it can be the compass. It can be the guide of your life. Verse 15, let's continue, says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. What was their problem? Come on, impress me. What was their problem? What? They're not loving God. They're biting, they're criticizing, they're devouring one another. Their problem, the problem wasn't each other. The problem is they didn't love God. God, show me how to love you. I can't love this person I'm with, please. That's the prayer. You cry out to God, he will answer you. Verse 16 says, I say then. Ah, there can hardly be four more important words in the Bible. Walk in the spirit. Ugh. And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And so let's talk about this. Walk in the spirit. What in the world does that mean? someone first coming into God, someone first coming to Christ, that's going to seem really weird, like walk in the Spirit. That's like creepy sounding. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of your flesh. So before we talk about what it means to walk in the Spirit, I want to talk about what the second part of that verse means to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Really, we've already talked about it. Again, it's verse 19 um, through 21. Um, fulfilling the lust of the flesh means that list down there, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. What it means is uh, 
you're, you're doing this stuff. You're, you're fulfilling yourself. You're embracing the things in that list. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like. The, 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 that list goes on. So please note, and this is important, when it says fulfilling the lust of the flesh there in verse 16, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. This is way more than sexual things. As this list is way more than sexual things. The lust, lust is not only a sexual lust, it's, it's um, again, it's verse 20, idolatry. It's that lust for money. Money is an idol. It's that lust for money. It's sorcery, meaning just the lust for the paranormal, for, the, for, for, for uh, spiritual experiences that are apart from God. Um, um, hatred, co- um, contentions, jealousies. Jealousy is a form of lust. You're, you're lusting and you're jealous. You're envious about um, what someone else has. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, that is a lust. It's selfish ambition is lust for power, lust for control, lust for influence. So it says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill those lusts. That's what verse 16 says. And so, uh, let me say this. As a quick aside regarding this subject of what it means to walk in the Spirit, do not and do not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Jesus Christ says in John chapter 15, verse 8, by this my Father is glorified. That, anyone want to tell me what he says? That you bear much fruit. Let me repeat that. By this, your father, meaning speaking of God, is glorified that you bear not some fruit, much fruit. When you walk a life after the flesh, just fulfilling the flesh, no fruit. It will kill your fruit. It will kill your ability to have fruit. There will be no fruit in your life. The flesh will kill that. You will be barren from a fruit-bearing perspective. You will be barren. That's not why God saved you. He saved you because he's looking for his glory in your life. And if there's no fruit, there's no glory. So there can hardly be a more important subject. How do I avoid fulfilling the lust of my flesh? It says walking in the spirit. How do you avoid fulfilling the lust of the flesh? Well, we've already said one thing, by the way. It's walk in love. But this verse, verse 16, goes a little deeper. It says, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. So what does that mean? What does it mean to walk in the spirit? Well, um, just a little background here. A little background in review. First, when a man or a woman first asks Jesus Christ into their life, believing he is their savior, asking him to be their Lord and King, the Bible says they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the first time in their life. No such thing as the spirits in everyone. That's like new age people believe, the world believes that, that's just not true. The spirit is in a man or woman 
who puts their trust and faith in Jesus Christ and asks them into their life. A very important verse. We, we put it up last week. Ephesians 1.13 says, Having believed, you, and that's speaking to you here, were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So once that you become a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. However, really important, just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you walk in the Spirit. Just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you walk in the Holy Spirit. Go all the way down to verse 25 of Galatians 5. Let's read that verse together. Verse 25 of Galatians 5. It says, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. I think a better translation is this. It's the New Living Version. If the Holy Spirit is living in us, let us be led by Him in all things. So what this is saying is that you, the Holy Spirit can live in you, but that doesn't mean that you're walking in the Spirit or you're allowing yourself to be, uh, or you're following, it says here, be led by Him. Doesn't mean you're following God. Doesn't mean you're following the Spirit. You can actually have the Holy Spirit inside of you and not be following or doing anything the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And, 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 and that's where the, what this is, is talking about here. So we notice that a, though a man or woman has the Holy Spirit, they still need to choose to walk with the Holy Spirit or to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have a choice. When you leave this room, when you walk out of this room, you have a choice to walk by the Spirit or to walk in the flesh. To fulfill all those things that we just read in uh, that, 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 those terrible, ugly things in verses 19 through 21. You, you've got a choice, every one of you. I have that choice when you walk out of this room. So I hope you're thinking, I want to know what walking in the Spirit is because I don't want to uh, fulfill the uh, lust of my flesh. I, I want my life to count for something because I want to glorify God. Show me, Lord, what walking in the Spirit is. So if you're taking notes, I've listed three things. And here it is, the three things what walking in the Spirit is. So walking in the Spirit is these things. One, surrendering to the authority of the Spirit. We're going to be talking about that. Number two, listening to the voice of the Spirit. Number three, drawing from the strength of the Spirit. So you put those th three things together and what you have is a person who's walking in the spirit. Number one, surrendering. Number two, listening. Number three, drawing. You do those things and you can walk in the spirit. You can walk all day in the spirit. Doesn't mean you're not gonna sin. But when you sin, you'll be so aware of it, you'll be turning away from the sin. Surrendering to the authority of the Spirit, listening to the voice of the Spirit, and drawing from the strength of the Spirit. Let's take these one by one. Number one, surrendering to the Spirit. R really simple, folks. It means you're not in charge. 
did any of, did, does everyone know this? You're not in charge. You're not in charge anymore if you've given your life to God. You're not in charge. <laughs> Jesus said this simply, um, Matthew, um, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have the verse there. It's Matthew chapter, I'm not sure, verse I'm not sure. Um, does someone want to shout it out? You can. Jesus said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The two most important words for what we're talking about. Matthew 10, 37. Matthew 10, 37. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So you deny yourself, meaning you're not in charge. You know what God's supposed to do, and you do what the Lord is telling you to do. Very, very simple. That's what surrendering to the Spirit is. It means you're not in charge. And sort of a recognition throughout the day that my life is not my own. I'm not in charge. Number two, listening to the Holy Spirit. Number two, listening to the Holy Spirit. So our website, if you go to our website, uh, you can go to uh, the media page and in our study of the book of Romans, I gave a message on Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, which covers this subject, the whole message. How to listen to the voice of God, meaning how do I know what the will of God is for my life? So I recommend um, that you go to that. But for, days, for today's purposes, listening to the Holy Spirit, what is it? I did, I'm just going to say two things. Number one, what does that mean? Number one, it means reading the Bible and listening to what it says. So number two is listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Who wrote this? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So when you read this, you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit when you read the Word of God. The Bible says that the whole Bible is God-breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16. So to walk in the Spirit means doing what the Bible says and not doing what the Bible says not to do. So number one, listening to the Holy Spirit means listening to what the Word of, the God, of God says. But number two, listening to the Holy Spirit means literally listening to the voice of God. It's not an audible voice. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about impressions that the Holy Spirit puts on your heart and mind what the Bible calls the still, small voice. First Kings says this. I love this verse from First Kings 19, 11 and 12. The Lord's not in the earth wind. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. The Lord was in the still, small voice. So, over the years, this is the greatest privilege, learning how to listen to the voice of God. Not easy in the first years of the Christian life because at the beginning, it's very hard to distinguish between what your heart is saying and what that still, small voice is saying. Over the years, though, it's, it'll become very clear to you. It takes time. You be patient. Um, but um, uh, 
but over time you can tell the difference. There, there, is, there is a difference between what your heart is saying. Sometimes it's the vast difference. Actually, the, in the Proverbs it says, he who listens to his heart is a fool. Um, um, but, 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 but oftentimes, oh, it's our heart. That, that must be God. It's just a, this great thing. I know. How could this be anything other than God? Well, it can. there's a lot of reasons it can be, and that's because uh, she may be a lot more beautiful than you, uh, your wife uh, will ever be, and, and you're attracted only because of her beauty and not because of her character. Among many other things, our heart lies to us. He'll give you a beautiful wife. But you be patient and you wait on her. He'll give you a beautiful husband. But you be patient and you listen to, to, to the voice of God, which um, he will teach you over time. But, but th- listen, here's a great way, one great way to notice the difference between what your heart is saying and what God is telling you, the Holy Spirit is telling you, is this. Go to Galatians 5, verse 22. Go to Galatians 5.22. It says this. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The voice of the Spirit is you can recognize it because it leads you in the direction of that verse, meaning it leads you to the place of love, to the place of joy, to the place of peace. It leads you to the place of long-suffering, meaning patience. It leads you to a place of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's where the Holy Spirit leads. And so there's also wisdom, by the way, that comes with the voice of the Holy Spirit. But the wisdom that the Holy Spirit has is often otherworldly and it oftentimes contrary to common sense. For example, the Holy Spirit will speak in such a way, it'll call you to love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, in a way that seems contrary to common sense, contrary to logic. The Holy Spirit, the voice of the Lord will tell you to do things that make no sense sometimes. A couple years ago, I was walking through Hale Reservation, which is where our picnic is. Our picnic's in July of this, uh, of this year. And uh, I was walking through Hale Reservation and there was a young man and a young woman in just a vicious argument and I was approaching them, he was screaming at her, she was sobbing. So I'm approaching this, and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I know that proverb. Can we have that proverb? Ever, ever hear of this proverb? Proverbs twenty six seventeen. Like one who takes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel, not his own. You know, it's a really stupid thing. If two people are fighting, to try to get in and sometimes, you know, it's, it's really dumb. It's like grabbing a dog by the ears. You're going to get bitten. So he's yelling at her. She's sobbing. And I knew I was supposed to say something. And so I go up to him and I say, excuse me, 
I know only one way a man and woman can get along, and that's if they both give their lives to Jesus Christ. And the guy turns to the girl and he goes, you see, I told you. <laughs> and then she, she breaks out into this gigantic smile. She looks at me. And I said, God bless you. And I walk on. <laughs> but, 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 you know, uh, first of all, listen, if you show up next week with a broken nose because you tried to get in the middle of a fight, it's not my fault, okay? The Holy Spirit didn't tell you to get involved in that fight. But sometimes he will tell you to do things that are completely contrary to common sense because he wants to see his glory. He wants to, see, he wants to use you. Now, um, I could have fulfilled the lust of my flesh. I grew up a violent person. I, that was just who I was. That's who I, what I was known for, fights. And there was a time where I would have just gotten this guy's face. And I would have gotten, and so if I did that, so what's the answer? It'd make me really happy. If I had done that in this case, what would I have been doing? What? Mm, but there's something more specific. Fulfilling the lusts of my flesh. Lust of the flesh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, contentions, arguments, arguments of anger. I would have just been fleshing out. And, and, and so um, th this is, what's, uh, this is what, what, why it's so important. Walking in the spirit, it means, number one, it means, can we have the chart again? It, it means surrendering to the authority of the Holy Spirit. It means listening to the voice of the Spirit. But number three, drawing from the strength of the Spirit. Quickly, this is, this is, this is an obvious one, brothers and sisters. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you re shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Your power isn't of your own. It's from God. Uh, next verse, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, we quoted this last week, but of power. power. Thank you. Love and of a sound mind. You draw your power. You want to walk in the spirit. You can't be doing things in your own strength. And then the one all of us should put to memory by the way, Scripture Memory Night, last Friday in, in July, not by might, not by my power is what it means, but by my spirit, says the Lord, you will accomplish this. Do you know what, what when God told us, he told us to a guy named Zerubbabel, and um, Zerubbabel was looking at a a bunch of rubble, a bunch of stones that had once been a church, a temple, and he was like, you need to build this. And he's like, what? That's impossible. They're surrounded by enemies. They're surrounded by people who wanted to stop it. And he's saying, you're not going to do it by your power, not by your might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so, uh, so important, again, drawing from the Holy Spirit 
it, it, it's, that, it's that prayer that says, I can't do this, and this prayer is coming up throughout the day. Dave, can we have the charts? That just says, God, I can't do this, but you can. So walking in the Spirit. And you want to get this right, Calvary Chapel, because if you don't walk in the Spirit, you will what? Fulfill the lust of your flesh. If you fulfill the lust of your flesh, you cannot glorify God because you will not bear fruit. Walking in the Spirit means surrendering to the Spirit, to the authority of the Spirit. I'm not in charge. Listening to the voice of the Spirit. God, what are you saying? Verse three, drawing from the strength of the Spirit. God, I can't do this. Please, please, Lord, help. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up at this time. We are going to have communion. And just thinking about what has been purchased for you. Among many, many other things, what has been purchased for you is the glorious privilege of walking in the Spirit. If you've been asked to, to pray, if you could come up at this time, if you've been asked to be a prayer couple. You know, before we take communion, we like to just examine our own hearts. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says before you take communion, communion is, the cup represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out, it was the purchase price for you. It was the purchase price in which God is purchasing you back to himself. It was the purchase price of your liberty. The Bible says you were called to freedom, not to slavery. You were called to leave your slave master who's the law and come to the, into the arms of the glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. That whole thing was done by a purchase transaction and the blood was the cost. So Jesus says, when, when you gather together, remember me by sharing of the cup. But then there's the bread. The bread represents his broken body. It represents his broken body. Can I have a, a communion cup? Oh, wow, that was really quick. <laughs> the bread represents the broken body. This is a... This is a, a grave thing. <laughs> this is a serious thing. This body, the back, the back of the Son of God opened up by a Roman scourge, meaning a whip. It was opened up. It says, by his wounds, we were healed, we're healed, we're, we, we get healing. And we do that at communion, but, it, but the, the, thing that, the thing is, though, that the Bible says whatever you do, don't go to the communion, don't share in communion. If you're holding on to some sin in your life, because if you're holding on to a sin, and, I, and what I don't mean is you got into an argument 
and you curse this morning or you went into a porn site last week or you, uh, you, you ask God for forgiveness for that because that is not walking in love. But once you ask for forgiveness, you're free to take communion. But when you hold on to a sin, well, I'm gonna, I have, you know, I have no intention of stopping porn. I have no intention of stealing at work. I have no intention of, uh, of stopping treating my husband like dirt. <laughs> Don't take communion. The Bible says that God takes this symbol really seriously and you're heaping judgment on yourself. You're trampling on the cross, it says. However, this time before communion, It's a time of examination. It's also a time of repentance. If there's someone around you that you're choosing not to love, not to forgive, not to talk to, even though you know you should be talking with them, it's time to say, Lord, I can't do that when your body was, op your back was opened up for me, your, your hands and your feet. I can't do that. This is the time and, 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 and to, to, to say, I'm not going to do that. But we're up here to pray because sometimes doing that stuff's real hard. <laughs> You've been wronged. you got that bitterness. Letting go of that bitterness is a hard thing. But you, we're up here to pray for you, with you, if you'd like. But also, something may have stirred up in the sermon. How do I love I don't, I don't love those people around me. My kids, the coworkers, the boss, whoever. God, I need to love you more so that I love them more. I was just really blessed just preparing that for myself. If you want us to pray for you, that you'll love God more, come up. You want to pray about this walking in the spirit subject, which is just so, so critically important. The purpose of your life is to glorify God by bearing fruit. You're not going to do that if you're, you're in a habit of fulfilling the lust of your flesh. Surrendering to the Spirit. Listening to the Spirit. Drawing strength from the Spirit. You like prayer for any of those things. You can come up as we are in this, uh, in this closing worship song. Why don't you stand? You can just hold this in your hand. And we're going to sing a worship song if you'd like to come up and pray. I would ask if you're on the um, leadership team of Calvary Chapel, if you see all the prayer couples already praying with someone, if you just come up. You don't have to be asked. Just come up and, and pray. Wait, wait on folks to pray. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray as we, we pray, prepare our hearts for communion. And I want you to know that this goes for me too. I need to prepare my heart. There's lots of gunk that has run through my mind throughout the week. And I don't want to, to take this in an unworthy way. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for this wonderful time. I thank you for the worship that, we, that just introduced us today. I thank you for this word, Lord, which I've learned so much, Lord, myself, just studying. And, I, and, and Lord, we don't want to be just listeners of the word. We want to be doers. We want our lives to count for something glorifying you, Lord. And also, Lord, we don't want to take communion. We don't want to take communion, Lord, 
as your word says, unworthily. We just want to let go and be forgiven. You paid such a huge price to forgive us. We don't want to withhold something that just needs to be given to you and forgiven. So Lord, I just pray as we worship, as we pray, as we prepare our hearts for communion. Would you pour on us the Holy Spirit, Lord, so we could worship you and prepare our, health, prepare our hearts for this communion. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.